Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six ends remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN Radio brings you... broadcast uh, uh, media can do. Give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious. Life-size and ready to eat. It's made with real egg formula. And here's a nice-looking record package in from New York. I woke up this morning with WCBN. America's ace of the airways. This instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate. And we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. And believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at French. <laughs> WCBN FM Ann Arbor BN FM Ann Arbor. WCBN Ann Arbor. FM Indeedy WCBN FM Ann Arbor is what you're listening to and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters the weekly news and media talk show My name is Dick Whaley and I'm Jim Dwyer returning after a couple of weeks away Well we've three debates are down and one to go um, sometimes in my mind, um, actually, the foreign policy debate is the most interesting because I think that a lot of the domestic issues get sort of superficial questions. I think I complained about this after the first debate. And uh, certainly, uh, <laughs> Romney was a work, of, uh, a work of wonder last week at the town hall. Uh, but I, I figured that I would devote tonight's show to the memory of George McGovern. Uh, it was oh. announced, of course, that he died uh, yesterday, and he was an iconic liberal who inspired many uh, young people at the time during the Vietnam War to get involved in politics. And, of course, he's unfortunately remembered mostly as the 
big loser in the 1972 election, which, of course, uh, played a huge role in uh, the downfall of Richard Nixon. We've done a lot of shows this year honoring the 40th anniversary of Watergate. And, of course, many of Nixon's more diabolical actions uh, started to occur in 1973, so we'll continue to cover the Watergate story. But George McGovern, of course, um, was a sor- is a sort of a dying breed of politician, an unabashed liberal, um, sort of a rural populist of yesteryear, as uh, one person put it. But I don't think in American history, it's interesting, in Ann Arbor there was some graffiti that was on a kind of an old corrugated fence over at the corner of Kingsley and First. And you would see this graffiti in the fall after the trees had lost their leaves, and it said, McGovern for Truth. And it lasted there for years. I thought that was a very fitting tribute for, about George McGovern as a, as, a, as a politician because he was perhaps the most honest and decent politician of our lifetime. He had flaws. He certainly was a soft-spoken, not a kind of a Bible-thumper, kind of a serenity and quiet delivery of uh, his ideas. But when you hear, and I don't think we've heard quite enough in the media about some of his um, outstanding speeches that he delivered on the Senate floor in opposition to the Vietnam War, To paraphrase just one phrase, he said, bombing children in Indochina is not going to bring America peace with honor. And that can't be um, more perfectly put, because the Vietnam War was a huge mistake. And unfortunately, what will be missing from tonight's debate, we're going to get into the superficial current events, Libya, Iran, uh... Bob Schieffer has already announced that there's going to be some chit-chat about China. Sure, China will come up. But what we're not going to get is the connection between American foreign policy and the deficit. We're not going to get a discussion of the Cold War, the Vietnam War, the Iraq War. And the consequences that we're still paying for for each of those conflicts. And when McGovern ran in 72, he was not only an opponent of the Vietnam War... And, of course, uh, he correctly identified wars in Indochina because many Americans forget that there were uh, vicious air bombing campaigns in Laos and uh, uh, Nixon's secret war in Cambodia that led to the uh, protests in 1970, including Jackson State and Kent State, where uh, students were gunned down by security forces. We just are not going to get the connection between our massive deficit and our foreign policy. And I think that's going to be unfortunate. I suspect what will happen tonight, unfortunately, is Mitt Romney um, will take another couple of doses of Red Bull, (laughs) and he'll feed us Red Bull. He'll be wired. He wants to be aggressive. He was very aggressive in the second debate almost to the point of uh, rudeness and shrillness. 
And, of course, he continues with delusional math, very, uh, no real specifics about any of the budget realities. I just hope Big Bird can be named Secretary of Treasury under (laughs) President Romney, should he win. I don't think he will. But uh, in honor of uh, George McGovern, I wrote a limerick in honor of Mitt. There once was a governor named Mitt who was tired of looking like a twit. I say, I say, bring me a binder of women. Please find her. And I have two alternate endings. The real limerick is, (laughs) in the corner she'll be seen, not heard, and she'll sit. Um, Women fill of binders. Actually, I'm beginning to think that Mitt Romney's foreign policy team is, uh, alas, a chock full of nuts. Because he is sort of trying to blend traditional um, sort of pseudo-toughness with um, neoconservative scare tactics about the Middle East. At various times over the past year, he's pretty much advocated going to war against Syria and or Iran. And, of course, he's been on this Libya thing for quite some time. And if Congress would have a thorough investigation into Libya, uh, we would start out with the policies of Ronald Reagan, the air uh, attacks on Tripoli and Benghazi that I looked it up. It occurred on the 14th of April, 1986. Less than nine days, by the way, uh, after the so-called German discotheque bombing. Mm -hmm. Um, The American government can't draw conclusions about terrorist activity like that in nine days. But uh, Gaddafi was a convenient whipping boy for Ronald Reagan during his presidency and, of course, uh, during this period of Ronald Reagan's presidency. He was secretly selling arms to the government of Iran. Via Israel. Via Israel. So uh, the complexities of the Middle East will not be explored, unfortunately. And I suspect that Obama will have to be very effective on defense, as they say, uh, rebuttals, but not um, too um, strident or, um, eh, shall we say, narrow-minded. So it would be nice if, if we would get into the real discussion of American foreign policy these many years, but we won't. Uh, remember, of course, that the structural deficits in American history began with the Vietnam War. Uh, the, the Vietnam War was not paid for. When Ronald Reagan took over the accumulated so-called deficit debt, the deficit and the debt, are, of course, are different, but the accumulated d- debt was about a trillion dollars, and Reagan promptly um, tripled that with basically the policies that Mitt Romney is now advocating. Cutting taxes, increasing military spending. Yeah, and why military spending needs to be increased, as I suggested last week, has not been answered uh, for any reason whatsoever. Obama's big foreign policy blunder, of course, is not uh, the uh, attack in the compound uh, in Benghazi. That's just stuff that happens, as they say. There seems to be... um, nitpicking about who said what when, and that's basically the scandal. Uh, Daryl Issa isn't going to investigate 
the characters that were involved in this attack. And I do think that it's quite clear that it was a sort of thorough, uh, a combination. Events never have single causal explanations. Uh, not many, anyway. Not, not, not terrorist attacks. And uh, we need more investigation uh, into what happened in, in, at Benghazi this uh, a little over a month ago. But uh, Mitt Romney trying to exploit this issue I don't think has really worked that well. But uh, some polls indicate that Obama has slipped in foreign policy approval. So who knows? Um, t after tonight, uh, I suspect um, this is basically going to come down to the ground war uh, in politics. Something, by the way, that George McGovern was very important at. Gra grassroots polit polit political campaigns really began with the John F. Kennedy uh, 1960s campaign, but um, McGovern perfected it. Um, he used the volunteers. It's fascinating to learn, of course, that Bill Clinton was an active McGovern supporter uh, in his early years. I believe he was in college. Gary Hart, who ran for president twice, uh, one once derailed by a pseudo-sex scandal, and the other time, uh, unfortunately for the Democrats, simply the odd man out uh, in 1984. Um, it's also interesting to note that McGovern changed the primary rules. Uh, this ended up working to his advantage in 1972, but it was mainly because of the stumbles of his opponents and the dirty tricks of the committee to reelect the president. Uh, Muskie, of course, was the front runner. Scoop Jackson had his blunders and mistakes. Don't forget the hump. Humpty Dump. Dump. <laughs> <laughs> Hubert Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey. Affectionately known as the hump. Uh, as I've been rereading Hunter Thompson's uh, classic piece of work, uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72, which I think will be read 100 years from now as the, the best example of how the American political system worked at that time in history, uh, makes it very clear that it's the ground troops that made the McGovern candidacy possible that gave him the nomination. As you say, Muskie was the favorite. Humphrey had uh, carried the uh, nomination uh, the four years before. And McGovern's uh, superseding of these two old guard Democratic Party stalwarts was proof that the old party system uh, was ossified. Yeah. Uh, the dailies. Uh, Mayor Daley of Chicago, that is, the old machine smoky room uh, politicians uh, were being supplanted by the youthful, energetic, you know, going out and getting out the vote, talking to people, going door to door, uh, hanging out in public uh, squares uh, and conversing with people rather than just the old money politics. So that is... Uh, Hopefully something that uh, people still keep in mind as we uh, enter the final stretch of what is, let's face it, an ungodly long uh, process, a ridiculously long process. It's long and it's, of course, flawed. And, of course, it would be interesting to hear probably further um, elaboration by George McGovern about how the system is sort of <laughs> become perverted in and of itself. But it's important to remember that getting the people directly involved in politics 
the direct primaries, that that was the main change that McGovern provided to the political process. And of course, his commitment to poverty and uh, helping the poor was really part of his upbringing. It was part, you know, he was the son of a Methodist minister, uh, a decorated war veteran from World War II. Flew B-29s over Europe. Unlike uh, Richard Nixon, who played poker and was some sort of a Almost a quiet. Think of Milo. Milo Minderbinder. Milo yeah. Minderbinder. That was Nixon in the war. Hey, I think that rhymes with uh, Mitt Romney's uh, binder full of women. <laughs> binder minder. That's what Mitt needs is a binder minder. He needs a quartermaster. Um, a buck and a quartermaster. So, yeah, George McGovern. I, you know, I, I was uh, thinking that if half the politicians had 100% of the integrity of George McGovern, or 100% of the politicians had half the integrity of George McGovern, America would have very few problems indeed. And uh, while he's always been portrayed as a loser uh, because of the landslide election of 1972, it was interesting uh, when discussing with the author of his obituary in today's New York Times, David E. Rosenbaum, that he discussed the problem of image. He, he said, and I'm quoting here from the obituary, but we probably didn't work enough at cultivating that image, he added, referring to the presidential campaign organization. We were more interested in ending the war in Vietnam, getting people out of poverty, and being fair to women and minorities, and saving the environment. It was an issue-oriented campaign, And we should have paid more attention to image. And I think that that was, of course, his great flaw as a politician. You know, he kind of came across somewhat, uh, there was a serenity. He had a face that belongs on Mount Rushmore, that kind of square-jawed. Of course, he was from North Dakota. And he was, well, he's South Dakota, but. uh, but, uh, The Dakotas. The Dakotas, in (laughs) fact, there's, there's some discussion of. The solution to our 50-state star problem is to create statehood for Washington, D.C. and just merge South and North Dakota into one one state where the gophers outnumber the people by probably a ratio of $7 trillion to one. Mitt Romney's tax cut, uh, of course, I exaggerate on the $7 trillion gophers out there, <laughs> but... Um, I think that that was a, uh, a, a, a very, and of course, McGovern's uh, disastrous convention in 72 where he gave the, the keynote speech at 3 in the morning or something when no, nobody in the Eastern time zone was awake uh, due to the raucous nature of what was going on and the uh, debacle involving Eagleton were, were devastating situations. But it's important to remember that sitting presidents are not often defeated, period, mm-hmm. in American history. All I got to do is look up, look this up in your, uh, on your Google search, <laughs> and you will find that most that decide to run for re-election do win. I still think Obama's got uh, a slight advantage uh, that I think that he, uh, you know, he blunted the momentum that R- Romney uh, developed after the first debate, and I think tonight's debate will be uh, um, very significant. I think the last se- the air war to me, the, you know, all the money that's being saved up for advertising. I think at this point, it's 
meaningless. The people in the swing states have seen so many ads, they're sick of them. And the rest of the country is being ignored. In fact, if I would give Barack Obama some advice, um, go to Arizona. The race is apparently close in Arizona. Go to Texas. Do do some, do, you know, go right after Rick Perry. He loves Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have a bet going. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know who lost that bet, but Mitt Romney bet $10,000. I remember him doing that. Um, well, it's it's tragic to contemplate that politics in this country uh, have come down to either you've, you're decent or you project the right image. Uh, or yeah. to go to the mm -hmm. George W. Bush versus John Kerry campaign, uh, competence versus palsiness. You know, the actual poll numbers that said most voters would rather have a beer with George W. Bush than John Kerry. But voting for president isn't about who you hang out to have a beer with. Those are your friends. This is, do you want a competent adult uh, guy who reads books to run the country or some doofus? And, uh, you know, it's fine to drink a beer with a doofus, but to turn over the helm of the most powerful country in the world to a doofus because you're more comfortable with him as an idea of a pal is insane. Well, I say McGovern for truth. Uh, he, he, he told the truth. He was correct about Richard Nixon. He was correct about the war in Indochina. He was correct about the uh, disastrous consequences of the conservative counter-revolution. He got Ronald Reagan right. Uh, it's interesting that he ran a sort of superficial 1984 campaign. I actually saw him at the MLB uh, less uh, as a sort of a, a supporter I did, you know, at that point he didn't have any money, and there were probably uh, only a couple hundred people in the crowd. But to just appreciate uh, what he left for America, he said, We reject the view of those who say America, love it or leave it, he declared. We reply, let us change it so that we can love it more. Those are fantastic words. And McGovern gave excellent speeches on the Senate floor in opposition to the Vietnam policy of Lyndon Johnson and um, Richard Nixon. And of course, he was in the Senate uh, when the Gulf of Tonkin resolution went through. I suspect that he frequently was bamboozled by Lyndon Johnson because of his support for the Great Society. And the unfortunate thing about this year's economic debate about the deficits, the national debt, and that sort of thing, these sort of so-called economic issues where Mitt Romney is sort of allowed to stick to talking points, not give specifics, doesn't talk about the actual deductions that he's going to get rid of. He talks about buckets, uh, $17,000 you can throw in the bucket. Now it's $25,000. I'm surprised it's not lunch pails. Uh, uh, an excellent uh, editorial today, by the way, in the New York Times about the jobs uh, situation uh, in reality, why uh, the jobs have not recovered as well as they should. They've pointing out, pointing out that there have been uh, 569,000 government jobs lost since June of, of uh, 2009, 
and that the ratio of government uh, now stands at uh, seven workers uh, per 100. Um, This is basically state, federal, and local. So uh, it'll be uh, it will behoove uh, Barack Obama, I believe, tonight to uh, actually possibly invoke uh, the ghost, and I use that word, friendly ghost, of George McGovern in the debate when he talks about foreign policy. Because look for Mitt Romney to pound on the word leadership. You've you've heard this word a lot in the last couple of weeks in the campaign. I think it's somewhat meaningless because uh, I don't think. You can accuse Barack Obama of lack of leadership. The, the lack of leadership is in the Congress. They're indeed. They're not doing their job. They're hiding under the. Uh, they're hiding in the bushes. <laughs> they're evading their job. Um, so uh, interesting that uh, the the headline on George McGovern's obituary: a prairie liberal trounced but never silenced and uh yes indeed george mcgovern one of the more most honorable public servants uh, of the 20th century in american history in my opinion and uh no shame in the trouncing uh, as you've already implied because of the number of dirty tricks vaccine operations and so forth of the nixon committee to reelect the president um i've always suspected that those Numbers uh, deserve greater scrutiny in the uh, actual votes of 72. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting be, because McGovern, by changing the primary rules, was more interested in getting women and minorities uh, into the Democratic vote totals. But I think behind the scenes, what doomed McGovern, of course, were uh, the sort of the culture wars that had begun before he ran that really date back to some of the um, def- aspects of the defeat of Goldwater in 64, uh, the uh, election of Ronald Reagan as California governor in 66, and certainly the candidacy of George Wallace in uh, 1968. Uh, well, that's that extreme right, uh, the so-called Yahoo sect of the Republican Party that is manifest today as the Tea Party, the old John Birch Society. And, of course, who are some of the great financial supporters of things like the John Birch Society? Well, your old buddies in the Chamber of Commerce, who are still at it today uh, under the uh, dubious names of such organizations as Protecting Michigan Taxpayers, which is a sort of Chamber of Commerce umbrella organization that is uh, spending a lot of money to attack Proposal 2. Of course, we all know it's easier to succeed with a no vote on a proposal than a yes vote. Uh, My own personal view is that the yes vote is the way to go on, too. But notice how these people concerned about taxpayers uh, go out of their ways to equate unions, which is really what Proposal 2 is all about, with uh, drug dealers, alcoholics, and uh, teachers who go to work stoned, which uh, I can tell you doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot, but they paint it as it's going to open the door to all sorts of alcoholic, drug-abusing teachers. Sure, and of Uh, course, Nixon is famous for labeling McGovern and the Democrats as the party of abortion, amnesty, and acid. Acid. (laughs) And, uh, of course, amnesty uh, was something that McGovern had proposed uh, offering towards those who uh, went to Canada to avoid uh, service in an immoral war. 
uh, and Jimmy Carter eventually made that a reality. Um, the whole acid thing, uh, I'm, I'm sure George McGovern never did acid. No. <laughs> Nixon might have, though. Nixon might have. He <laughs> was already sort of naturally crazy with... Uh, and, and, of course, the mental illness issue that surfaced in the 72 campaign... With uh, Eagleton. Yeah. With Eagleton really should have... There should have been some addressing of Richard Nixon's mental... Stability. Mental health. Yeah. Um, for uh, all sorts of reasons, Nixon uh, had some delusions and paranoias that uh, explain many of the events known as Watergate. Uh, one thing that we do know that that McGovern probably wouldn't have never even contemplated were concepts like dirty tricks yeah. or bugging or breaking and entering. Or, or blowing all, up the Brookings Institute. Or blowing up the safe of the Brookings Institute. Or forging a typewriter. We did it in the his case. Get in there and get those documents, you know. And, of course, E. Howard Hunt uh, did forge cables uh, from the American embassy trying to implicate John F. Kennedy already assassinated under circumstances never satisfactorily explained for the for the, the assassination and murder of Diem. Mm. Unbelievable history. Nixon won that campaign. But I think history will vindicate George McGovern. And, uh, well, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I haven't read the Bob Dole tribute, but I, apparently Bob Dole has got a very moving... Uh, tribute to George McGovern in today's Washington Post. So you can probably hear of his. I mean, they're the same generation. Yeah, you can probably look that up online. They worked on uh, some on the food stamps program here in the United States and some world hunger issues, um, which was a huge issue uh, of George McGovern's uh, political career. In fact, uh, after he left Congress briefly before he uh, joined the U.S. Senate, he worked in the food uh, and hunger programs uh, under John F. Kennedy. And after Bobby Kennedy was assassinated tragically in June of uh, 1968, the uh, supporters of Bobby Kennedy encouraged McGovern to get into that campaign, but by that point it was it was pretty much too late. And uh, the Democrats got Humphrey. <laughs> Which Hunter, is what the old guard, the old party guard wanted. Yeah, and, and Hunter S. Thompson has some very, very incisive comments about Humphrey. <laughs> incisive, to put it mildly. <laughs> and of course, it's important to remember, too, that uh, McGovern's concern with poverty is uh, not merely idealistic, uh, not as though idealism is bad, but it's based on the practical reality that there was a lot of poverty and hardship, and still is, in rural America. The mm -hmm. Dakotas have a number of uh, Native American reservations. Uh, these are chronically uh, economically shattered, even in the best of times. And so uh, ongoing simple things, you know, as we hear terms of billions and trillions being tossed around, and I'd pay more for the military uh, from right-wing and Republican candidates, uh, there's still and always has been uh, hardship and uh, poverty here at home in America. Yes, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up uh, shortly, uh, apparently a minute or two. Jerry is uh, getting organized down there in uh, FM studio. 
McGovern for truth. Yeah, it's interesting how politicians that tell the truth, like Mondale did in 1984 mm-hmm. in the debate about taxes, uh, are, are actually punished by the voters. And I think that this is one of the most amazing developments in this campaign is, is how Romney has shifted his position.